Today, with the help of our guest, Susan Turk-Charles, we'll be discussing a fascinating model for understanding emotional well-being in older adults. It's called the Strength and Vulnerability Integration Model, conveniently shortened to SAVI, S-A-V-I. Susan, a professor of psychological science and her team, developed the SAVI model as an intervention to improve the mental and physical health of older adults. It is based on the idea that strengths and vulnerabilities are not opposing forces, but rather complementary ones that work together to create emotional resilience. Strengths include factors like social support, self-esteem and a sense of control over one's life, while vulnerabilities include things like stress, negative life events and health problems. The SAVI model also suggests that in order to achieve optimal emotional well-being, a balance of strengths and vulnerabilities is necessary. So, what does that all mean for you, our listeners, who are moving through the second stage of life? Hello and welcome to another episode of Ironing Out the Wrinkles. I'm your host, Kate Shaw. And I'm your other host, Ros McMaster. Together we're taking the age out of ageism, helping men and women embrace the second stage of life with less fear. Susan Turk-Charles is a professor of psychological science and nursing science at the University of California, Irvine. She's also a fellow of the gerontological... I got that lovely big uh, word, uh, Society of America and the Association for Psychological Science. Susan has always been interested in how effective experience varies across the lifespan and how socio-emotional experiences are related to the differences in cognitive and health-related processes. Also in this episode, we'll be looking at the recent COVID pandemic in relation to the SAVI model. Because while advanced age is generally associated with improved emotional well-being, the coronavirus 2019 pandemic unleashed a global stressor that gravely threatened the physical well-being and challenged the emotional well-being of us all. However, it affected older adults disproportionately. Susan, hello and welcome. Well, thank you very much, um, and thank you for letting me be on your podcast. The Savvy study was done all the way back in 2010, but it's a model that's still being used in research by everybody else, including your own research team still, to look at um, things like cognition and rehabilitation and dementia care. So, you know, how wonderful that you are such a big part of a study that's still being used today in research. Susan, what motivated you to develop the savvy model of emotional and well-being? So, so what happened was um, back in the late two thousands, there were quite a few studies looking at age differences in emotional well-being, and almost always, so people were repeatedly finding that older adults were looking better than younger adults. So, each successive older age, so the 40-year-olds were looking better than the 20-year-olds. The 60-year-olds were looking better than the 40-year-olds. And we saw this again and again. And so all these different studies looking at emotion and how people appraise emotional stimuli um, so they perceive things as less threatening, for example, the older you are. And so it was wonderful good news. 
But every now and then there'd be a study showing that older people didn't do better than younger people. And so this led to a lot of head scratching. And so I, I looked at the studies where older people weren't doing well. And then I looked at the studies where they were. And there, there actually was a very clear pattern in when older people did better and when they didn't do better than younger adults. And so that's what started the savvy metal. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's fabulous. And the testing process itself in developing the model is um, quite fascinating and demonstrates where we're heading with new technology and um, what it can do. So please share with us uh, how you went about testing the savvy model. Uh, well, we haven't. Um, we, we have tested this in a lot of different studies. So, for example, often... Um, so what, what Savvy says is that older people generally, because they have a different perspective um, with over time, they have a perspective that life is, is not going to last forever. And they understand it's important to really relish and appreciate the time that you have now. And so more so than younger people, older people are more likely to focus on the emotional well-being and emotional meaningfulness of life, whereas younger people who see this vast life ahead of themselves um, more often choose to seek knowledge or seek information um, as opposed to seeking well-being. And so, for example, this negativity bias that younger people have, and this has been repeatedly seen again and again, where Younger people are more likely to remember negative aspects of the environment, are more likely to kind of pay attention to those negative aspects. Older people don't do that um, as much. And we think it's because of this different perspective in life. Yeah, we but, don't sweat the small stuff. Oh, yeah, it's you don't true. sweat it. So. Yes. And I, I remember, you know, when I used to listen to stories from my um, my grandmother and grandfather and even my father who's in his 80s, you know, when they talk about the old days and times were tough, they were really mm -hmm. tough and yeah. people had to work so hard. But they always talk fondly about those memories and it's just yeah, like, the wow, depression. you know, yeah. they're, they're so resilient. But, but you've even found... Um, like our podcast, we say our age range is 50 to 100, but even in your studies, there's a big difference between 50 to 70 and 70 beyond, isn't there? Yes, yeah, so, um, we, we still see up until about 65, we see an age relationship with distress that people are experiencing less distress, like from their 40s to their 50s to the mid 60s. And for some people who are very healthy, um, you still see less and less negative distress with age. Even so 60 to 90 year olds, we see that 90 year olds report less distress than 70 year olds. And so we, we see this and until, unless people experience situations where they're, they're in situations of high arousal of highly negative situations. So, um, so when people are, are dealing with like bereavement. So they've just lost someone they love or when they're dealing with caregiving and they're in a very stressful situation. Um, that's Those are obviously times that are very stressful. And so you don't see this higher level of well-being. Um, yeah. but, generally, but generally, if people are feeling good and are allowed to live their lives um, the way that they normally do, they experience actually more greater happiness and less distress than young people. Yeah. Okay. So just just going back to how you actually test emotions in older people, it, you can't expose people to stressful situations because that would be unethical. So how how do you test emotion yeah. and stress? Um, 
Yes. So you're right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it's so, so we do it in, in slightly in a lot of different ways. So in, in some ways we um, give people smartphones and have them go around their daily life. And then they're randomly beeped throughout the day about five times or seven times. And when they are, they have to say, they have to report on their smartphone. What are you doing? What emotions, you know, the, are you experiencing? Did you experience a stressor? How long ago was that stressor? Um, and so there've been studies looking at these phones and seeing how neg- seeing your emotions um, in proximity to the stressor you're experiencing. And so, so one study, for example, um, done by um, colleagues of mine at Penn State found that when you ask, when you when you page people and they're experiencing a stressor at the moment, we don't see that older people look better than younger people. It's half an hour later, older people are, it looks like they're recovering from the stressor, although we, we don't have, yeah, but, I mean, it, from their reports, they are experiencing less negative um, emotions than younger people. So that's how we interpret it, is that they're kind of recovering from these stressors quick and more quickly than younger people are. One thing I found really interesting in your research was that you said that once you get to 100, you usually have the highest level of well, emotional well-being, which was quite heartening and surprising. Well, if for people who are cognitively intact, so so people who are of cognitively course. functioning yes. and in good health, you do see that older people are, are reporting um, the, the lowest levels of negative affect, especially anger. We see that go down, stress going down. Um, depression, uh, sadness, not as much, but, um, you see these high arousal, negative emotions really decreasing with age. And of course, everybody doesn't fit into that model, do they? There's no, no hundred percent when I was having coffee with my mother the other day and she was doing another one of, uh, she was ranting and, and raving about things in the modern world. And I mentioned to her that you were coming on the podcast and that, you know, older people tend to um, be less reactive. She said, oh, well, that's a lot of nonsense. <laughs> we're yes, all the same, yes, aren't I'm, we? I'm noticing that. <laughs> well, you, you know, in, in, so so I have two things to say about that. Number one <laughs> is she she has a point in that when we when we find out that older that that people of any age are in the midst of a, a negative situation and they have to regulate their emotions, so they're having a fight with with their their partner or someone any anyone um, when they're in an argument. Um, it's not that older people have superpowers that allow them to definitely regulate the emotions so much better. That we see that in the process of regulating high arousal that that there are no benefits of age. We don't see any age differences. So people report the same ways of regulating their emotions, cognitive reappraisal or problem solving, for example. Um, It's only when people are out of that situation and look back on it that older people appraise it more benignly. So we think that the real kind of superpower of aging is this perspective that older people have of like, yeah, just not it's not worth it for me to, to be bothered by that anymore. Yeah, it's like, that, yeah. why, 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 why it's, it's done. It's done. I, I want to look ahead. You know, I, I don't have to keep on ruminating and older people generally ruminate less. Now, the second thing I want to say about when your mom says that's a bunch of hogwash <laughs> is that, and I get this question a lot whenever I talk to, to groups, there's always someone who says, you, you haven't met my uncle yet. Um, but I did a study looking at how negative affect changes with age. And we found it does for most people. 
But for people who are high in neuroticism, it's this personality trait of a tendency to worry. And um, I kind of joke, if you see these like small little dogs, like little chihuahuas, they're kind of shaking and look really, really scared of everything. That's that's kind of high, highly <laughs> high in neuroticism, like a bulldog who's like sitting there content, that's low in neuroticism. But for people who are high in neuroticism, um, those people, you don't see this decrease over like 20, 30 years, um, you don't see the decreased negative affect um, that you do for other people. Yeah, I was wondering about that. Mm. So that's that's a really good answer yeah. to that. Yeah. So, oh, oh but, yeah. but just one more thing. I um, I have a friend who studied people who who whose personalities changed. I don't know how they did, but they had lower levels of neuroticism. And when they did, not only did they have lower levels of negative affect, but they're also less likely to die 10 years later. So it was really good for their health. Wow. So emotional well-being, um, did, when your study, did you find that the emotional well-being also integrated the, the strengths and vulnerabilities in life? Um, like feeling yeah, so, good? So, yeah. So, so, so the strength of aging really is this perspective, this time perspective that Laura Carson said and her colleagues at Stanford University talk about, this time perspective that allows older people to kind of shift their priorities towards emotion um, to, to emotional goals. Um, and so, so that's really the strength of aging. And now the vulnerabilities are often physiological. So our bodies are not as physiologically resilient. And so when people get into situations where they're really upset and you have high levels of physiological arousal, what we think happens is that, that that's not good for anyone's health, but if your body's more vulnerable, they can be even more dangerous. So we want to make sure that, and older people are less likely to get into those negative situations. They report so fear true. stressors in their lives. They're more likely if you ask, like, are there situations where you could have argued and you decided not to? Um, everyone reports that more than reporting being in a fight, no matter what age you are. But older people um, report that they do that. And they report also that when they find themselves in the situations, they're more likely to kind of let situations go rather than get into the fight and actually argue. Sounds like my dad. My dad's 93 and he doesn't watch the news. Yeah. But I'm I'm just wondering on the basis of that, you know, like there's such a fear for people when they have to go into aged care and just that loss of control. And I know that's one of the stresses, you know, if you walk into an old person's home and there's so many of them that are just sitting alone in chairs and they just look depressed. So I'm just wondering if that total resignation is part of the avoidance of a stressor yeah um so so and, and, and protection and yeah yeah so and and, and it's, a, it's a fine line we don't want people to be abused and to put up with situations they shouldn't be putting up with right so we don't want to tell everyone oh just ignore everything bad in your life because there are some situations like if you have a physical symptom you really need to check that out you know so so we're not telling people no just ignore it um, it seems that that when we talk to older to to um, community resident older adults, they're they're they don't back away from situations like something broke in their house and they have to go get it fixed and they have to go back to a shop, for example, and 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 talk to someone about it. It's generally more of these situations where they're with friends or their family members and things seem to be you know getting an argument seems to be brewing that they are more adept at, get, at getting away from those situations so it seems like people are kind of smart at choosing the situations that they pick want their to battles yeah to pick yes. their battles yeah. um 
yeah, no one and, you and, have control yeah. over. Yeah, yeah, and and that and the situation about going into it to an um to age a, care. an aged care. Yeah, that's um that's also a tricky situation because mm. one of the pro we call them prodromal symptoms. So symptoms even before you realize you have the illness, but one of the symptoms of dementia is depression and um and and lack of affect too. But um you get both of those so often uh so oftentimes you see that among people who have, you know, a cognitive decline, um, which is very different than healthy aging. Yeah, mm. that's true. So were there any uh, surprising findings or results that you didn't expect from the study? Mis mis um, misconceptions or about emotional well-being? Well, going back to the, just the idea, we, we did look at the idea that maybe, um, that older adults were better at actually um, dealing with difficult situations because they seem to be. But again, we found that it was really that they're just kind of easing off um, and and not kind of focusing on the negative, not thinking about it afterwards as much as younger people. Um, also, we thought that because younger people are thinking about the future, that, yeah. that 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 is a reason why you know they're anxious they're thinking about the future they have to plan for the future and and a lot of um late life you're kind of free from the kind of the worries about what am i going to be when i grow up or you know am i going to have children or not or you know where you know so um and a lot of us are lucky enough to know that where we're going to live or where we want to live and so we have a lot of those decisions already taken care of um, so people used to think that older people like to focus on the past a lot and think back to when they were younger <laughs> And, um, and the say show that they, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and say show that older people are no more likely to think of their past than younger people. Um, so, so that's not, that's another stereotype that was thrown out the window. Yes. Yeah, so mindfulness is really the way to be when you're, when yeah. you're older. But it's true. Like present. it's, yeah, yeah, you don't have to worry about all the job and career and what have you now. We just get whatever we do now. It's just about what do I need to do to bring myself joy? So right yeah. and 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 we do see that they do think about the future but it's more like what am i gonna do next year or what vacation do i want to take and mm -hmm. so people do talk about their their goals and they have these goals it's part of their purpose in life so they'll talk about their podcasts or they'll talk about their businesses or seeing their the, the, their friends and their family members but um it's a different type of thinking about the future than young yeah. people yeah, they're yeah. looking forward but how does the savvy model differ from other models of emotional well-being so I think that savvy was unusual in its time because it didn't say it gets better under all conditions. And some models seem to think that that's true. And it doesn't say it gets worse under all conditions. And some people think, oh, with age, all declines. It's 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 a more nuanced of it really depends on in what situation um, older people are in. So they're when they're in situations where they can reflect and think about life and and live the way they want to, it's their well-being is very high. But when you the closer and closer you get them to it, a very highly arousing negative situation, they lose that age related what makes them better than younger adults. Yeah. So. So if, if anyone's, you mentioned briefly how um, strengths and vulnerabilities can work together, how people uh, integrate those. If anyone is struggling to integrate their strengths and vulnerabilities, what are some strategies they can use to bring those together? 
Well, so so as we we say, no one one size doesn't fit all. And so mm. one thing that that older people can bank on is knowing themselves and knowing situations that will make them upset and knowing situations that don't. So for example, if you have a dad who is 93 and, and knows that watching the news will just get him riled, then then he's smart enough to realize, hey, you know, I don't have to watch the news today or I don't have to do this. And and so um so knowing knowing them so knowing yourself and knowing what upsets you and what doesn't, if you know that you hate driving in traffic, for example, maybe you'll go to that favorite restaurant of yours that you have to drive through traffic, not during the height of the lunch hour or maybe on the work so day, but you'll, but, but, but you reschedule it. So mm-hmm. you don't, so you can avoid these things. I mean, there are some things you can't avoid. If you don't like going, for example, to the dentist, you still have to do that. But on those optional, those optional situations that kind of sometimes younger people just throw themselves into um, older people kind of think twice and think, yeah, is there a different way of doing this? And sometimes they find that different way and they're much healthier for it. Yeah. It comes back to control again, doesn't it? Yeah. Knowing, knowing what you can, knowing your control. triggers. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. and, and when they're in situations where they can't control. So for example, caregiving is a very stressful and they can't kind of, they can't escape it, but that's why like respite where you can have just a break is so important because um, that allows you to kind of regroup and, and social and, support. Yeah. But it has to be a complete break, right? You, you can't think, oh, is someone calling me? You know, oh, do I have to get up immediately? No, it has to be a complete break where you know you can relax and no one's going to all of a sudden need you. So, how do you think the savvy model can be applied in clinical and therapeutic settings? Like, I was interested to read in your research about the chimpanzees, the older chimpanzees, and how they seem to have fewer but more positive social interactions, and you applied that to humans. I thought that was fascinating. So, is that kind of the sort of thing that you apply that in clinical and therapeutic settings? Yeah, the the chimpanzees and and how how with having more powers is very healthy with chimpanzees, but. Um, but what some of the primate researchers were finding is that some of these older male kind of non-dominant males were doing great. And they looked and it was because these older female um, primates were, were grooming them and picking nits out of their hair. And, and they're just basking in this, in this, um, but social, social support is so very important. Um, our, our lives truly depend on it in so many ways, but we noticed that, um, that, the emotions we experience, the strongest emotions in our lives are generally with other people. Um, mm-hmm. And that these social ties are related to mortality, are related to almost every illness we know of. It's such, so strong, so strong, these, that social ties are so important to health. Um, and yet some people don't realize just how important they are. Yeah, actually, we we had a, a counselor on last week talking about depression amongst older mm-hmm. people. And he uses a system called the human givens, which, you know, all, all these systems uh, really probably come off the savvy model because the human givens, he would sit down and look at what the stresses were in their lives to do with connection to community, um, you know, social connections and and what have you, all the things that you talk about in the study. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Those social connections, you know, we call it purpose in life that people have uh-huh. a feeling that what they're doing is important. And yeah. again, that can be different for anyone. It could be scrapbooks for their grandchildren. It could be 
going on a political rally and, and you know, and writing letters to your politicians, you know, it, it can be different way, different for different people. Um, but people need to strive and, and go forward with meaning in their lives. Yeah. Well, actually, just <laughs> sorry, question you asked. Yeah, it. sorry. Um, no, I was just thinking when you were talking about going on a rally or something, like I, I know uh, a few older people that go to a lot of rallies and over here at the moment when young people are protesting, you know, they're, they're super gluing themselves to main roads and, and what have you, but older people tend to go to rallies and just hold up a sign and be a lot more calm about it. So yeah, we know yeah. them, don't we? <laughs> just as much. Yes. Yeah. And and it's yes, and it's 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 wonderful that that people care and care so much about themselves and and uh, about the other people in their lives and the world and the future of the world to go to these rallies. Um, but they're doing so, it in a different way. But they're way, doing it yeah. in a different way. And <laughs> older people have done that. We've been there, done that, haven't we? When <laughs> and, we're younger. And, and we find that older people do 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 things in a different way, and it might be a little slower, and it, or it might take a little bit longer. But generally, it's less stressful for everybody. So it's it's really wonderful. Yeah, that's a good segue to the next question. Um, community organisations, um, they're always looking for new interventions to, to promote physical activity, which is really important, isn't it, for your emotional well being? How can the savvy model be adapted to be used in a community based setting? Do you think? Ah, um, that's a really good question because in a community-based setting, like like to promote physical exercise, for example. Yeah, or, yeah. Um, well, well, we, well, we know just when we talk about the vulnerabilities, it's it's physio physiological strength, mm -hmm. but but there are some studies that show that, um, so they've just looked at women and they brought in middle-aged women and older women in the lab and they they look at their physical fitness and then they put them in a stressful situation and they find that our physiology you know that we respond to these negative situations but if but the older health the physically fit women responded like so, so the physically fit women in their 70s responded like people in their 50s so we do know that the more physically fit people are the better um, the cope, the, the yeah, the the better able their bodies are to respond to. I mean, high levels of of distress are very are very hard on the body, and so yeah. more physically fit people, um, they have like their cortisol. They do, it's not as high that, and they respond a lot faster, and so. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask you, because I get rid of my cortisol on the row at the gym. I have a really good row, get get it all out, because I'm my late 60s now, 70s looming. And um, that's, that works for me. Yeah, you're right. Getting rid of the cortisol that way with physical activity is great, because cortisol is not a good thing if it's high, is it? Yes, yes. It's, um, you Light know, we, flight. We, yeah, we, we, we all need cortisol, but sometimes if we if we experience threat um our bodies create cortisol and it used it used to be in you know hundreds of thousands of years ago uh this cortisol be used to fight or to flee you know so to do something that our body needed to do to use this cortisol but being on the rowing machine allows your body to use that cortisol um in a productive way yes. yeah so I'm really excited to um, bring in the whole pandemic issue now because that was really interesting how the savvy model worked to understand the differences between young and old people with the pandemic. So let's spend some time talking about that. Yeah, you know, that it was really interesting, the pandemic. So people thought, oh, this is a situation where 
older people cannot avoid it. They can't, they are thrown into a very distress, distressing situation. So here we'll see that they are going to do a lot worse than younger people as far as their emotional well-being, because we know that with the pandemic, especially that the physical threat is so much worse for older people too, mm, that they true. should be even more upset and worried about it than younger people. And so a lot of people looked at this study after study after study, and every single study showed that older people emotionally were doing better. So I also did one of these studies with some colleagues, um, Joe Michaels from DePaul in Chicago. And and we found, so so when we asked them, how how much do you think this, this was May in, in 2020, so before all the vaccines were available. And, and so we'd asked, you know, how, how much of a threat would this be to your physical health? And older people reported it would be greater. It'd be a greater threat. And if you got sick, would you get sicker? And older people reported, yeah, that they'd get sicker and they reported that they would probably get sicker. And then younger people reported that they would. So they obviously saw this physical, this physical threat. Um, they reported, the older adults reported uh, social, social distancing um, more than younger people. However, they reported less distress. So they weren't um, what we might think of as being in a situation and doing, they weren't, they weren't looking like younger people. They were still looking better. And, um, and when we asked how people were coping, and I think this is, this is what we we found in this study, which is not quite savvy, but it's, it's, uh, you know, it doesn't follow the model, but it's, it's something different about COVID. So Older people reported that that they reported that they had um, resources to to cope with the pandemic, um, and they were much more likely um, than younger people to say that the pandemic didn't stop the goals that they had and what yeah. they wanted to do. And younger people reported a lot more that the pandemic was getting in the way of their goals and their opportunities than younger people, than older people. And so we think that that was causing them a lot of stress. Um, there's studies that show that the people, in, at least in the United States, that had the highest levels of stress were women who were 39 and under who had children, who worked and who had children under the age of 18 in the home with them. Mm. That'd be that kind of, that makes sense, you know. These yeah. are the people who had to. I'm glad you know, I had, that. Yeah, they yeah. they had a lot that they had to worry about keeping their jobs and taking care of their children, and um, and a lot of them also said that with an unequal balance of who cleaned what and prepared what food in the house, they also sometimes had even greater home um, uh, chores than you know people were less likely to go out to eat. And so, um, so it was just a much harder time for people with a lot more of these responsibilities and a lot of kind of unknowns about. Oh, do you know, I I was one of those people that was walking around saying, oh, these young people, you know, they're, they're just all too soft and they've been wrapped in cotton wool because my daughter, when the pandemic first started and lockdowns kind of first started, but they weren't very strict here at that point. In Melbourne, they were awful. Um, So my daughter and I went for a walk down the road and there was two older women talking over the fence to each other. And we heard one of them say to the other, well, it's not the war, is it? 
And I thought, I've just never forgotten that. And I thought, you know, they have come through depressions and wars and just so much hardship and they built up such a resilience. And the pandemic, eh. You know, okay, like, I yeah, love so I was just love thinking them. young people, but I mean, like, like you were saying earlier, young people are, you know, they're focused on their careers and their families and what have you and old people, it's like, ah, okay, but it's, um, yeah, it's not the war, is it? it? It just really stayed with me. Yeah. And did you mm. apply this research like during the pandemic? Was that the whole world or just the Western society? So, so the studies that we did were just in yeah. the United States, and, oh, right. and most of the studies I've read are just in usually West Western Europe okay. or the or Northern California, North America, so mm. Canada and the United States. Um, so, I don't know of any studies that have... people are people, though, aren't they? Mm. Yeah, we're still all humans. So. Yeah. yeah. So, but I, I thought the effect of the pandemic would have been much greater on older people, particularly because of that social isolation. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And well, we know that, for example, living alone was really hard for people who live alone and were basically isolated by themselves. And that's not just for older people, but younger people living alone. Yeah. But but because a lot the percentages are that a greater percentage of older people live alone, so it's going to affect. A greater percentage of older people living alone than, than younger people so we, we did see that um and it did affect older people i mean they still reported twice the levels of distress that they that older people reported the year before the year prior that um but younger people reported five times the levels of distress so yeah it just yeah. was a, it was a weird time wasn't makes it? sense doesn't it so yeah. how can we as a society better support the emotional well-being of older adults especially you know today with the wars and we've been through the pandemic and the uncertainty with the economy how can we support them their emotional well-being so um so the, there's i guess the most difficult one is just to make sure that older people are living a life where they're able to to have agency and choose and and so, so oftentimes i think that Savvy was based on all the research findings we have, but people who participate in studies are, are for the most part, like in, in America, for the most part, they have, they are middle-class. They, you know, they, they, they live in a, in a um, pretty predictable environment that they're not threatened. So we're not looking at people who are living in situations that are, are frightening or that are uncertain. And so, so savvy really is kind of predicated on the idea that people have a safe environment to live in and so um, making sure that that people have enough financial means to be able to have you know a, a, a predictable living situation um, is is really really important um, and not feel threatened and feel very safe because it is a it is a theory that's based on older people kind of being free of that worry of the future that younger people have. But if they are worried because they're raising their grandchild or they live in a housing and they're going to lose their, their, the place where they're going to live and they're not sure they're going to live, then we're not going to see this higher levels of well-being, obviously. Yeah. Cause you, you have done studies, haven't you, on the effect of prolonged stresses you know, yes, and, and that's, that's the vulnerabilities. Yeah. Right. And it's interesting because the, uh, there's a wonderful study done in, in Europe, um, 
and looking at this age, this age relationship with well-being, because we see the older people are always, you know, report higher levels of well-being than younger people, except they didn't find that in some of the countries in Eastern Europe. And they think, and it's anyone's guess as to why, but if you look at the kind of social security that, that people in those countries have, it's not the same as the kind of richer countries. And so older people, I think, have a lot harder time um, being able to take care of themselves. And so yeah. that's going to affect your well-being. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and also just push it. And we see this in studies as, as far as um, younger people when they say, are you going to, are you going to yell at your grandma for being 15 minutes late to lunch? You know, usually they say no, you know, and, and <laughs> now if you yell at your friend, they say, yes. Now older people, will you yell at your friend? Older people are like, no, you know, so it's interesting. So we find it, find it, it's related to age, but it's also people sit, report being nicer to older people in their lives. So, um, so that's not a bad thing to hold on to. Oh, I love your study. Oh, yeah. It's wonderful. It's so hard. It's very nice. Yeah. Oh, just a minute ago when we were talking about, you know, what we need to do to support older people, I thought what we need to do is listen to the advice of older people because it sounds uh, like they've got a lot to teach us. us. Well, I put like I, I put ourselves in the oh, younger age, young. of course. <laughs> I'm, I'm 60. I'm 69. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But it's anyway, only a number. But, but I'm, I'm so yeah. young. Anyway, but yes, we, we need to, uh, younger people certainly need to listen to old people but even then they wouldn't take their advice would they because it's a natural part of the progression through the yeah, lifespan I was, I to respond everything. a particular yeah, way oh, that's true i was like that a rite of young. passage yeah well and so when you went back and talked about the therapy you know about how yes. how we look at this with therapy it's interesting because when we think about therapy with children so often we think what's the right environment for this child so what's the right school what's the right after school programs you know how how can we teach this child? What kind of learner is this child? How to teach this child in different ways? But what we need to realize with people, adults of any age, really, is that, yes, therapy can be about teaching people strategies to deal with negative events and, and problems in their lives. And, and, and people need these strategies. Everyone needs these strategies. But also, as you get older, you can also start thinking about situations that why am I doing this? You know, like, like situations that you can avoid. So, so similar to how we treat young people think, is this situation right for the, for the older adults? Like what makes them happier? What doesn't, what can be avoided? What can be taken out and removed from their current situation that would make them happier and would not let them lose important aspects of it? And yeah. what can we add that would add happiness? Uh, Susan, that has been a fascinating talk today. It's just, I'm so excited to yes. be uploading it. So before we go, is there just, you know, one last piece of advice you can give our listeners who may be dealing with emotional challenges in their own lives as they age? Kind of covered it, but we always like to round Little off with, with right. a sentence or two. Um, I guess just what a lot of older people say which is it's going to be okay um and they are and people will get through it and it's going to it's going to be okay um but uh when when you're feeling low that social support is so important that the strength of other people and those ties are so valuable for your health